but imperfect ministry. So, so what's the point of imperfect ministry? Well, it's that we're not perfect and ministry therefore is not perfect that we do. And so, uh, I thought it'd be a great place for us to talk about some different subject matters, but with that also kind of say that we've kind of learned or are learning because we aren't perfect and because we do things imperfectly. Sometimes it's funny. Uh, sometimes it is alarming. Um, <laughs> and uh, then also if we were going to do it better, how would we, how would we try to do that? So some of the questions or topics will be like that. Hopefully in coming uh, weeks, we'll also have other people coming through. So it won't just be, won't just be the three of us, but we'll kind of have us as a, as kind of a standard and then we'll be here and then we can add other people to it as we go. Um, we'll just kind of start. I'll just kind of uh, introduce, I'm Joe. I work in Kansas city. Uh, I work with the South Point Church. Um, see, I'm wearing my little, there you go. So, um, and, um, you know, I've been doing ministry for, I counted up the other day, I think it's almost 28 years now. So full-time ministry um, and kind of grew up, you know, involved in the church before then and started doing some, you know, part-time preaching stuff when I was a kid, uh, teenager still. And I, I'm thankfully none of that's recorded. Um, and nobody has any knowledge of that. And so as far as I can remember, it was okay. And they let me do it. And occasionally they paid me a little something for it. So I think it was okay as far as I can remember. And, uh, nobody can say otherwise at this point. So, um, that's the benefit of not having technology. That's what I'm saying. There are benefits in this particular case. I'm glad it wasn't recorded. So, yeah. All right. So who are you guys? I'm David, and I also work for a Church of Christ in the Kansas City area in in Olathe. Um, primarily work with uh, teenagers and their families, student ministry. Um, I'm originally from Wyoming, grew up in the church, uh, went to the University of Wyoming, and I think my first uh, ministry job was probably in 2008. Um, but before then, you know, helping out on, uh, in our, with our campus ministry and, um, yeah, I remember being asked to fill in preach once when I was in the ninth grade. And I actually think I still have the notes for that sermon and of it was very, it was very short. <laughs> it was very, it was very short. And I also remember putting it together like the night before, uh, like to think I've learned something since then, but, uh, you know, I always appreciated the guys who, who threw me in, uh, feet first. So, yeah, it was, a, you did a Saturday night special. Yeah. You don't, sometimes you don't know any better. Now I think I know better, but back then you're just like, I guess this is what you do. Right. It's <laughs> good. Yeah. So I am Jacob Brumfield. I am Joe's son. Um, I think that should be pretty obvious just looking at the two of us, but uh, I've been doing ministry for what, three years now, three-ish years about then. Uh, my first kind of entry into ministry, I guess, 
it's hard to say because I was born in a ministry household. So ministry's kind of been everything since I was born. Um, but I started working in ministry, I guess on a paid basis in Oklahoma while I was in college, I worked as a part-time campus minister. So I started in there and, you know, thinking about the idea of, of imperfect ministry about being uh, imperfect and kind of just having to learn along the way. I feel like I've had to do quite a bit of that. And I feel like it's, it's one of those things where just the trial by fire is just the, sometimes it's the, the easiest way to do it. Not that it's the, the least painful, but it's the easiest in that you just go for it and just, well, we'll just see what happens. And we'll just kind of, we'll just kind of go from here and just deal with it along the way rather than feeling like you've got to have everything a hundred percent together and then jump in. Cause if that's what I was waiting for, I would still not be in ministry. Yeah. You'd always be on the sideline. <laughs> yeah. Right. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You know, maybe a future topic too for us to consider is talking about how much of everything we do now is recorded and, and used to be, you know, it wasn't. And, and I, I, I do think that causes people to uh, behave differently and think differently. And um, there's parts of that we're probably, it's probably we're more conscious of things. And so that's good. But then there's also the negative side of it in that you act differently when, when a camera's pointed on you. And so today, mm-hmm. where is a camera not pointed on you or where is somebody not recording what you're saying with a phone or something? And so, um, so maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Today, I thought one of the things we could talk about, or maybe the thing, I guess it depends on whether or not we take a bird walk, but because this is imperfect ministry, it's okay. We can do that. Um, and we can be imperfect at what we do and it doesn't have to, everything doesn't have to work exactly right. But what do you do when somebody brings you an issue and it's the issue of the day um, and it's some sort of a topic and it might be, it might be political, it might be partly political and it might seem like it's not. And it might be the, the thing that, that everybody's wanting to talk about on social media at the time, or it's happening in the news or, you know, everybody's sort of discussing, it's getting Instagrammed, whatever's happening, uh, however it's getting shared and talked about. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, this is a really important issue and you need to talk about this now because this is being discussed everywhere. And so we need to, we need to catch that and we need to talk about that. What do you do about that? How does that hit you? What do you say? Do you address that thing, whatever that happens to be at the moment? What do you think? Do you do you think that that that's uh, um, something that just happens more now, or maybe in your experience, Joe, you've always had people come up to you saying, well, you know, ten years ago, did you have people come up to you handing you an issue saying, why don't you preach on this, or do you think it's only in the last, you know, year that? Uh, people have said, here's some things that, you know, we're not talking about from a a public position. What's your experience with that? I would say it's definitely changed over time. Used to people would come up and say, Hey, there's an issue. And I want you to, I think you should talk about this or you should teach, you know, the young people about this, or you should, you know, preach on this or have a class on this. Usually those issues were church related issues. 
They were, they were things that happened in other churches or somebody had been visiting a church and they saw this thing or they had read it in some, you know, church publication uh, and whatever publication they followed. And that, of course, runs the gamut of, you know, of, of, of uh, attitudes. But yeah. people would have something that they read about or thought about and they said, you, you should talk about this so that we become informed about it. And I, I would often say to them, well, you've read about it, so you're informed. Why don't, why don't you talk about it? Um, but, of course, they would say, well, no, it would mean more if, you know, it would come from you. It would mean more if you would say it or talk about it. I would say it's only recently that that's become whatever is the current, you know, issue happening socially in our culture. Uh, and maybe that's because now – there are a lot of churches that will talk about any of those things, even to the degree there's churches uh, every voting cycle who will tell you who you should vote for. And, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, especially that just didn't, that just didn't get talked about much. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I've been alive during times when we had really different people running for, elected office, people that you think of, like, you know, when you go back and think about Ronald Reagan, or you think about Bill Clinton, or you think about, you know, there have been some very, um, people might say, divisive characters at different periods in their political history. And even then, I didn't know in the church, I didn't know who people voted for. I didn't, I didn't hear about that as a kid growing up. And I didn't have people pointed out to me that they, they are part of this political party or they have that particular political belief. Uh, but nowadays that does happen. You do hear about that. Um, and if you take a stance on an issue, um, people immediately want to know, you know, what your voting block is that you're a part of. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it has changed in your mind in, in, uh, in the, since you've been in ministry, as you were talking, um, so I've had that experience too. People have come up to me, um, but even when it was like, "Hey, here's this doctrinal issue," or "Here's this this church-related," or you know, "Here's here's youth culture related to the church, and you need to have a class with the kids." It even then it it kind of even that request was it hit me in a weird way. Um, not because I didn't necessarily think that opinion wasn't, uh, or that perspective wasn't worth thinking about, but it was almost as though the person asking me, I felt like it was a test. And so it was like, you need to teach this thing. But in the back of my mind, it hit me funny because it was like, well, what if I go dig into scripture and the answer I give you is not the perspective you think needs to be put forward. Now it may not be the same as the opposite of what you want, but if I go and I dig into, and so it always was like a test. And, and I would think to myself, okay, are they wanting to look at what Jesus or scripture has to say about this? Or is it kind of like a, is it kind of like, I need to figure out what their perspective is and then be the conduit through which that gets passed. To other so people. less, less of a test, really more of like an IED. <laughs> Right. They've set this box up and they've buried it in the dirt and they're waiting for you to come across it. And then when and I have a chance to diffuse it, but I may clip the wrong wire and then right. I'm mangled. Is it the green or the red? Ah, I'm, I'm not sure. And if I do the wrong thing here, boom. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
Okay. And probably that issue is somebody's IED, even if it's not the person that brings it to you. Somebody's waiting for you to step in the wrong spot and then, and then boom, David's leg's gone at that point. So, right. You're like, has anybody seen my foot? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, okay. Which is not to say that I don't get perspective being around people, talking to people, listening to things people are, are wrestling with or, or questioning, but yeah. it's different when it's pointed to you kind of saying, Hey, go be my messenger and take the arrows for me rather yeah. than, Hey, I, I need some clarity on this. Do you think you could help bring some clarity to this, which could be done in a lot of different settings. It's yes. not just from the, uh, you know, from the, the lectern or the stage. Yeah. And I've, I've not really ever had anybody say, um, Hey Joe, see what everybody's thinking about this. I'm really curious about it. That's not usually the way it's asked. Somebody's got, if they're bringing it up, if they want to talk about, okay, let's just hit a t- common topic today. If they want to hit the issue of vaccines, it's not because they're curious what people think about vaccines. Hmm. They have a particular bent or they have a particular direction they're coming with. Whether that is, you know, you know, vaccines are made in, you know, uh, you know, the eternal bad place. Um, and, and, you know, if you take it, you're participating in, you know, maybe you may actually become a demon or whether it's that, you know, um, you know, obviously everybody who doesn't take the vaccine is a demon. Uh, whatever the direction happens to be, they they have some sort of an opinion, and they want um, Jacob. You've kind of been caught up in some of that kind of stuff, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I mean a little bit. Um, you know that kind of thing, definitely. And I guess it's it's harder for me to have any kind of perspective other than you know just kind of the the modern perspective on how we look at news and how we just allow it to consume us because I just have been doing this very long, and so you know I have no kind of knowledge of any kind of shift of that's happened. So I've always been steeped in this kind of, you know, it's on Twitter. And so what's the preacher going to say about it this Sunday? Because it was on Twitter. And because mm, I follow Twitter places. Oh yeah. Well, nobody does Twitter anymore, but that's the thing right. is it's moving so fast that, you know, right. who knows what everybody's on these days. I feel out of touch and I'm sub 30. So, right. Uh, anyways, but I've, I've been to churches and I've definitely, you know, heard preachers who chose to preach on the issue of the week or of the issue, you know, that's going on and just the thing that's happening constantly. And the problem is, is it's so easy to become reactionary in that because even as the church, we can't remain outside of something. And I feel like kind of the benefit of church and the safety of that is that when when we preach and when we speak, we're allowing God who is outside of all these issues that we're in to speak to them and to say something to Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And so instead of you're not really from the pulpit, you're not really getting my opinion. Like you'll, you'll see some things about my personality and you'll, you know, you'll hear some of my thoughts and some of my experiences, but you're not really getting my opinion on the matter. You're getting God's opinion on the matter, or at least that's how it should be. And again, imperfect. I mean, we, Sometimes we do let ourselves show too much instead of scripture. Right. But, you know, when I talk about an issue, how am I supposed to talk about something that's going on in today's world and not let myself get wrapped up in that? 
Yeah. So how am I supposed to let God speak to it when, when I'm right in the middle of it as well? Well, it's, it's that, it's the, and that's that concept of you're in the world, but not of the world. And, yeah, right. you know, and yeah. how do we be in the world? So I'm, I'm aware that these things are happening. And I, so I don't, I don't, you know, speak so that I sound like I live in a bubble and I don't have any of these things that I run into or hear or hear people talking about. But at the same time, I'm not trying to solve and tell everybody who's listening how they're supposed to feel about that or think about it or act on it. And, um, you know, so you want to be reflective of it, but not, you know, wholly give somebody the answer for what to do. Jake, you use the phrase, um, uh, like removed. God is somehow removed from, but he's not detached. So what's, yeah. So what's the, you know, he's, can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like he is, what do you mean by removed from it? But you're not, you're, I don't think you're saying God like, wound up the world and then just is he's just totally detached from it yeah no i'm I'm definitely not coming at it from a, a deistic kind of perspective i don't think you are um, but i think both of those things no like, it's a we it's need an important distinction removed, but we also want him to be i don't know plugged in <laughs> right yeah i think the it's it's that he's he's removed from so god is not he is not kind of beholden to the things that happen in this world. So he's not controlled by them. He controls everything Mm. outside of it. Mm. And so it's kind of like when, you know, I'm I'm coming up with this on the fly. So I hope it makes sense. It sounds good, Good. but it's almost like, you know, a kid who's got a, you know, a, an ant farm, right? Like you've got that ant farm. And at any point as they're digging their little tunnels, you can choose to pick it up and shake it anytime that you want, but you don't pick it up and shake it because you kind of want to see what they're going to do. And you kind of want to see what they're figuring out and how they're, how they're kind of doing things. So God is, God is able to reach in and control at any time, but our events don't control him the way that those events control me and affect me. So my, my life as a, you know, as a U.S. citizen, as a human, as a, you know, as a husband or whatever are shaped by the events that happen in this world around me. And so by talking to them, it's harder for me to, to have kind of an objective perspective because whether I like it or not, I'm right in the middle of all those things happening. And I have a feeling and I have a sense about what's happening right around me. And that's going to push me in one direction or the other, which is going to be very obvious when I start to speak to people in a yeah. huge group. And when I'm preaching to people in a group, I'm not preaching to husbands who are in my age group group. I'm not talking to people who don't have children yet. I'm not talking to people who are, you know, ministers even is I'm talking to a bunch of different people. And so if I allow, and if I get up there and I kind of, you know, tempt myself with the ability to kind of just voice my perspective in front of everyone, how much good am I doing versus how much harm is it possible for me to do? And so that's kind of what I mean when I say that God is removed is that he's, he's not unable to control. He is not choosing to just leave everything alone to spin out on its own, but that he is not ruled and he is not controlled by the events that are happening in this world is that he, he reigns outside of them. However, however he chooses to do that. 
And I would say that I often know, and I'm sure you guys do too, when certain people come up to you, you know that they're watching this stuff every day. They're looking at it every day. They're thinking about it every day. And almost because you know they're so stuck in the, you know, the zeitgeist, the spirit of whatever is right now, you know that you know what they're going to come and talk to you about. Like, it's not a question. Like, when that person walks up, you know the subject they're going to want to discuss or get your opinion on or maybe suggest that you should maybe talk to everybody else about. And I really, for me personally, I don't want to reveal, um, you know, how I'm feeling about everything from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do that. And... um I don't know, it was probably two years ago, I had a really great compliment. I'm at lunch with somebody and they said, hey, can I ask you about your political beliefs? And I was like, "Um, not really. I don't really want to talk about that. I think there's other things to talk about. And they're like, because I think I know how you feel, but I'm not, I'm not sure about it. And I thought, okay. I said, hey, I really appreciate that, that you can't tell how I feel about everything from what I say from the pulpit. Yeah, because the minute that I start to do that, and that's the some of the affliction I think we have with our modern society is everybody knows that the minute that they tell you how they feel about it, they're going to have they're going to be an influencer at that point. And and I think it's a lie that everybody's not an influencer. Matter of fact, you may influence very negatively, and you don't mean to, but but there's a lot of people that don't realize how that's coming across with others and. And I think um, everything is so charged that way that shouldn't, when we come together to worship God, shouldn't that be a place where you don't have to check how you feel about every individual thing in this world when you walk in to worship God? That shouldn't be how you're thinking, you know? It shouldn't try to capture the spirit of the age. Um, Cause I've had the experience of coming to be with the church, whether it's a worship or, or a Bible study. And I have this, I have this sliver in my mind because of something I heard, but then I come and I don't hear a thing about that, but somehow that sliver gets extracted because the person teaching or the person encouraging me doesn't come and like, rub on that, you know, Hey, let me irritate that little thing. They actually show me a bigger picture or they, they give me a different perspective. And I think, um, in ministry, we're always running this calculation. I want people to know I'm paying attention, but I also don't want to say something that, uh, you know, kind of causes them to see red and they, they miss out on the main point. And so I have this thing from God's word. I've spent the week preparing. I don't want to I don't want to muddy that by then taking something that a few months later I'll say that little joke I told was an opinion and it distracted, you know, I got a laugh, but it also frustrated that person. Now, sometimes you, but I I always feel like it's not math, but it's this little calculation you're running on. I have this big thing that's important because I have received that in the past um, and trying not to let my, uh, temporary opinions or perspectives, you know, to be a distraction from that. 
so I, I used to have a, I had a vehicle that I loved. I kept it for years. It was a Toyota FJ and it was a lot of fun and everybody, uh, there weren't a ton of them on the road. So people could identify me and, you know, see where I was at based Are on. Are we talking about the FJ in the past tense now? The FJ. Is it well, gone? It's sold. It's sold. Yeah. All it's right. It's gone okay. forever. That's news to me. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is that, um, it had a huge blind spot in it. That was one of the negatives about the FJ was it had a huge blind spot. I mean, they knew that it was talked about. They kept making it the same way. But I've always thought you don't help people see better by enlarging their blind spot. <laughs> and so what we say when we teach or when we preach does not need to be something that is trying to capture somebody's blind spot and really make it huge for them, you know, to see, unless it is, I think, a spiritual matter that they're missing and they need to see. But if you do that with everything, if every day or every time you preach or teach, you try to take something that's happening in the world and make this, you know, elevated and huge and really just, you know, we're going to talk about everything we can about this. Hey, I'm preaching for 25 minutes. Something's getting crowded out. And it's usually going to be scripture. If what I'm going to talk about is just the current thing, there's an old quote. I think it's William Inge who said it, but he said, and who, you know, was very controversial even in his day, but he said, whoever marries the spirit of the age uh, will be a widower in the next. Yeah. And he's talking about, you know, this world compared to spiritual kingdoms, the next world. But in our world, uh, the news cycle is so fast, you know, the next age can come next week or next month. Yeah. And if today I stand up and take this stance and I say, well, really, I believe, you know, what would Jesus do? And I've seen some people write articles on, you know, would Jesus wear the mask or not? You know, and things like that. And I'm just like, hey, if you marry yourself to the spirit of that now, whatever that issue happens to be, you might live to look really antiquated in 30 days. Yeah. Well, that's where we got the cancel culture from, right? Is that people were doing things and we're in an age where everything is recorded. And so the one thing you say now, if somebody decides, you know, the next minute that they don't like it, then, well, you're done. Right. I, guys, I think of I, the story that keeps coming back into my mind uh, from from Jesus, and it was probably a big, a bigger issue then than it was now. Maybe it should be a bigger issue now. But when the Sadducees bring him the, the divorce question, right? And so there was this like popular dilemma and well, what if someone's been married a bunch of times? And it's almost like they want to crowd out all that scripture has to say and just spend time talking about this popular dilemma of if you have a bunch of, you know, ex-spouses, well, who's going to be waiting there for you in in the in the next life? Right. And I, it, it's what Joe said. Jesus comes and he's like, before I jump into your dilemma, let's let's create space for all that you know Moses had to say about it, all that God had to say about it. And he, and it, on the one hand, it's kind of frustrating because Jesus doesn't give them the necessarily the answer that they want. But in clearing out that space, he he returns scripture to its prominent place and he says, Hey, this isn't your dilemma. This is God's this is God's design. 
Um, and I, I, I run into, and that's just one example, but there's enough times where people bring this issue to Jesus and it's like he ignores it, but then in the end, he, <laughs> he doesn't. So he's not just playing into what people are, are begging for, but he's also not so detached that he's like, oh, divorce, let's talk about the minor prophets. He doesn't run away from it and talk about some obscure thing. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's the perfect one um, doing that. And so I, you know, I try and imperfectly <laughs> think yeah, on that. Yeah, we're all, and that's the point. Jesus ministry was perfect. Ours is imperfect. I told, I, and I, maybe I shouldn't have said this, but one of my sermons, I was like, okay, let's talk about Jesus leaving. I said, you'd rather have Jesus preaching here today. You know, like you can right. laugh at that. I would rather right. be here and listening to him too, but right. he left and turned things <clears throat> over to us. So that's got to mean, you know, that's got to mean something. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, whether we like it or not, and often you can see the apostles, the disciples, not not liking it. They didn't like it. Um, but they, but he did help address issues for them sometimes. I think about when they're going into the temple and the, you know, leaders catch Jesus and say, hey, why don't your disciples wash their hands? I mean, if you want to take something that, you know, comes over into our current world today, Hey, Jesus, they did not use hand sanitizer before they greeted at the back door. And Jesus says, well, look, they've got me here right now. It, like it's a non-answer answer. Yeah. Right. He's like, um, it's almost like Jesus is saying, and there's a lot of different ways to interpret that passage. So I'm not trying to do that for everybody. But he, it's almost like he's saying, um, they'll have time to come back and do your accepted things later when I'm not here. And it's almost like when they're with me, they're, they're, they're taken care of. And so they don't have to worry about your little things because they're more concerned about what I'm concerned about than they are concerned about what you're concerned about. Yeah. And, um, and that's pretty interesting when you, you know, extrapolate that out to how the disciples even dealt with each other after Jesus leaves because they had some, you know, zeitgeist issues that they dealt with, the, the, the worry of the day that they dealt with with each other, and they did not always come down in the same place on those things. Right. And sometimes that created rubs between them. But it's just interesting. It's interesting to see that. Do you think that, do you think that today we do okay in the church with, um, well, we're going to feel differently about that issue and we don't have to talk about it here. Do you think people do that well today? Depends on the issue. I really think, you know, it, it kind of depends on what the, the thing is, okay. you know, and, and it depends a lot on almost on individual people because the first thing you do is when you have an issue is you very quickly kind of figure out the, the terms and the, the buzzwords for it. Yeah. So and then that kind of shows how much I value that in my own mind and kind of in the whole kind of scheme of the world. So, you know, that kind of thing happens with, you know, COVID or whatever. And some people will say, you know, this is, you know, a life or death issue. And some people will say, well, this doesn't matter that much. But once somebody puts a life or death on any kind of issue, then it becomes the all encompassing kind of thing. And so it's a lot harder for people to, to avoid it and to say, well, you know, we don't have to agree on that one because they're thinking, right. oh man, this is at the very center of my entire being. If, if you mess this one up, then how am I supposed to trust you with my life? Because you could right. be the thing that kills me 
is kind of how it how it starts to seem. And so but, there's definitely right. but don't but don't but don't lots of issues today become life or death. Well, exactly. I mean, lots of things now. That's I that's mean, the problem. That's yeah, that's I what think, brings us to this discussion. That that does because you can bring up the issue and then talk about it um, in ever from every angle uh, over the period of twenty four or forty eight hours, and in a week, that issue has time to really. Uh, you know, metastasize into something that touches every other facet of life. It's not just a standalone issue. I need to know how you feel about this. And um, I had somebody get really upset with me the other day about an issue and said, I need to know how you feel about this because I'm trying to take care of you. And if you don't do this the right way, you might, something might happen to you. And then think about what that does to the church. Joe, this is not just about you. That's that's where it turned into, and they wanted to know, and I wouldn't tell them my my status on a particular thing. I wouldn't tell them, and then it got them all troubled and upset. And yeah. uh, it's amazing how that can happen. And that's not one issue. That's a lot of different things today that that can. The happen. last I have really and uh, I have really come to appreciate the perspective of older men in the last year. I mean, I was always raised to like respect your elders and stuff, but if someone comes to me, Joe, maybe you can't say this, but someone comes to me and they ask me that same question. I'm like, you want a 35 year old to weigh in on the ultimate answer to this issue. And I know I I don't want to use that as a cop out because I can have opinions, but you want me to take that stance and, and, uh, and I've really come to appreciate kind of the steadiness of men who have been raising families, caring for their wives, working jobs, uh, you know, preaching. Um, and, uh, and yet even at that position, the thing I respect about some of these older men is that, you know, they'll be at their age and they don't feel compelled to be the final arbiter on the matter. I know they, they're not pushovers either, but it's like that they don't give in to the pride. I think if you give in to the pride of saying, okay, my opinion is going to be the one that carries the day. Right. Well, then some of your fallenness is kind of seeping through. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Go old men. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, appreciate, well, I appreciate their steadiness and their, their humility that they've learned. Right. We've got That's a kind of the, the slave of this, you know, the, what was it? The master of this age is the slave to the next. I well, mean, I guess that. Sort of, it says, whoever marries the spirit of this age is a widower in the next. So there we go. You're, you're with that. The idea is, you know, the, the more age you have and the more experience you have, the more you've seen those trends come and go. And so it's so much easier to just kind of let go of them and just be like, well, yeah, 20 years ago they said this and we've already changed on that. So, I mean, what's the, what's as much of a big deal? And especially I think that's where the, you know, the faith and the, and the spiritual comes into it is because then you have something rock solid to hold on to, even though everything else is just constantly just shifting and moving around. Right. So it's like, okay, I can hold on to the spiritual, you know, so right, this do, issue. Sorry, Jake. I didn't mean, no, no, go job. for it. No, go for it. I, this kind of takes us back to where we began at the beginning. Um, but you know, how do I decide what things to speak on and, 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 and to talk about? Um, and this isn't like a, 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 an all encompassing rule, but 
the thing that keeps me from just avoiding and 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 uh, um, not addressing issues is if I am talking with people and I know what's going on in their personal life and they're they're sharing with me, um, then that kind of clues me in to where people's needs are. But then I'm I'm able to kind of address it in a way that is uh, is helpful rather than more encased in, in, okay, here's my, here's my opinion on that. So it's, it's kind of a litmus test for, you know, am I isolating myself from the church that I'm serving or am I kind of around them and understanding what they're, you know, kind of what they, what they need as opposed to maybe what we all want to be said. So so I love what James says. And honestly, when I start to craft a, a class or a lesson, and I'm often reflective of what's happening in the culture at the time. But James says, um, talks about a mirror and the man who looks into a mirror and goes away and forgets what he looks like. But he says the one who looks into the perfect law, you know, he talks about that and he talks about scripture as this perfect uh, law of understanding us and, and that we would do better. We would get more. We would, we would come away better if we saw ourselves in light of what scripture is teaching. And so I really think the job of the preacher or the teacher is to take God's word and hold it up like a mirror for people and Mm -hmm. let them let that be the thing that they're reflecting themselves in, not the opinions of the particular preacher or teacher, because those opinions, even my own opinions have changed on things over time. And so if I make that the measure by which you evaluate yourself, what happens when I change? Now, now, have I benefited you at all, or have mm-hmm. I given you that you know opportunity with time to adjust your own thinking? And and so then your your thought is coming away from does Joe agree or disagree with me? And just like happens today with every social media post, uh, every Twitter, every Instagram, whatever it happens to be, wherever people share their opinions about things. You don't come away every day thinking, I need to know what to think on this issue. Let me read 100 people's opinions and see see if I can come up with how I think. What you do is you evaluate them based on whether they agree or disagree with what you were already thinking. And I think we automatically put ourselves in that same position when we start to do that with, you know, the pulpit or the, the, the stand, wherever we're at, you know, giving our, you know, thoughts on things. It needs to be, if it's scripture first and scripture is the mirror, then that's timeless. That's how, that's how I think of it. That part is timeless. And in 10 years or 20 years, you go back and listen to that again, that ought to still resonate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a good litmus test for where technology kind of holds us accountable is if this is going to be recorded, is it, do I think it'll still hold up and resonate? Will people even understand what I'm getting at? And, and in that respect, it's pretty liberating because I'm imperfect and I'm not going to be in touch with the culture 20 years from now. But if I'm speaking from, from God's word, um, like that's, that's always going to be effectual. Um, right. And, and so then it allows me to be imperfect and continue to grow but the thing I'm holding out is the thing that people are holding themselves accountable to, not, you know, not, not what I look like or, or say or, or think. 
Right. And, but, but I'm also, I'm the one, hopefully 20 years from now, I'll still be holding myself to the standard of the word. You know, I'm not just using it on other people. I'm, I'm looking into the mirror first. Right. You know, that's a, if the, if the sermon isn't working on me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't think I really have the right to make it work on other people, you know, Sunday when I get up and, and share. Which I think is a huge value in what I try to do. I can't say that it happens every week, but I try to. I try to have my um, thoughts or my direction, my passages selected early in the week and then really meditate on those things myself and read those yeah. multiple times and think about that enough during the week that I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of pressing myself into that mold first before I try to force somebody else in there. Uh, because it, you do find out your, where's your pain point. And if it was painful for you to do that, then you ought to approach that issue with greater sensitivity when, when you speak that to other people, because if it was painful for you and you, it, it took a week for you to adjust yourself to it, you, you've got half an hour. And so you're going to press them into that in half an hour. I mean, you wouldn't have done well doing that. So why would you try to do that to them? And so that's why often, I mean, I do get people to catch me at the end and be like, man, Joe, I just wanted that to be longer. I wanted you to say more about that. I wanted you to go deeper into that. And I'm like, that's great that you're doing that. That probably means that you're ready spiritually for, you know, digging in deeper and you're at a point where you're really moldable. That's great. But not everybody here, you know, feels that same way. And not everybody who hears this message is going to be at that same place in their spiritual life. And so, uh, and so we have to be willing to, um, you know, I always think about that word. There's a word used in scripture and it's instill, you know, to instill. And when it talks about instilling, it is not the fire hose of water, you know, all at one time with enormous pressure that knocks you down and bowls you over, you know, and that's funny to watch. I, I like that from the, um, I don't know if y'all have seen the movie UHF, but uh, it's Weird Al, and he's had the got the kid. I think it's uh, Michael Richards playing the part of the janitor who becomes, uh, you know, the, the host of this children's show. And for fun, he lets kids drink from the fire hose, and he opens it up, and it you know knocks a kid you know into next week. Of of course, it wasn't really doing that to a kid, but anyway, the the point is. We have to be careful. We don't do that to people, but that we actually do it a drip at a time, you know, drip, drip, drip. And that power of that low pressure over a long period of time uh, becomes much more, you know, meaningful. And that's why sometimes when I'm fishing, I'll find a drip stone, uh, especially if I'm fishing in a river, you know, area. And you'll find a stone that sat in the same place and has a whole board in it over a long period of time with drips of water. And I think that's better in preaching and teaching than to think I'm going to, you know, apply an enormous amount of pressure, this one lesson, and I'm going to really drive this thing home. No, you're probably just going to knock the person down and uh, they're not going to want to come back for more of that. So, yeah. Yeah. So this kind of one drip at a time kind of approach, how do we, how do we speak to issues and, and kind of meet people where they're at? without allowing it to descend into kind of, you know, either the fire hose or my own kind of personal, I just tell you how I feel about something and expect you to do what I do. Cause I think, 
I mean, people want us to to speak to issues that are going on to them. And so we can't just totally say, yeah, I'm just not going to do that at all. Because if you totally miss your audience, you know, and, you know, it would be like saying, hey, I'm not going to talk about, you know, Jesus says, hey, I'm not going to talk about marriage and divorce. Instead, I'm just going to talk about, you know, the minor prophets or whatever. They're like, yeah, we could, you know, preach on Levitical law or something random like that, but that doesn't work. So, so what's the best kind of approach to, to kind of allow some of the common things and the things that are going on to kind of be, be part of what we're talking about, but don't allow it to become the focus. The, the, the dangerous thing is to do what this world does today, which is if you feel this way, then, so there's a lot of if then statements, you know, if you're really a Christian, then you'll handle this issue this way. If you feel like this is the truth, then this is the logical conclusion. It tries to trap us by making us make these definitive statements about things that Scripture doesn't speak to. So I think the first thing we have to do is we have to unwed ourselves from the nature of this world that wants to do that. And we just have to not do it. We have to decide in my everyday life, I'm not going to put... Uh, social media posts out there, which are a dividing line between this group and this group. You know, I'm just not going to do that. So um, I have got to do something. We are at an end. Hey, I appreciate everybody being here. We are going to continue this next time. I appreciate your time today. And uh, we're going to continue with Imperfect Ministry, ending by the guy who's cutting down a tree knocking on my door. Isn't that perfect? Excellent. Perfect. It's very imperfect. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Good to guys. see y'all. We'll, we'll yeah. talk soon. All right. See you. All right. See you. See you. Bye.